Welcome to Five Strike Weekly. Today's episode is a season review special where we get into the highlights, the lowlights, and pick our favorite moments from the season. All that and more coming up. Welcome to the show, Five Strike Fam. I'm AJ, this is Tanner, this is Mark. And wherever it is you get your pods, subscribe, share, and leave us a good rating. This segment is sponsored by Mojitos Bistro. Mojitos at the Forum, where you can find a slice of Miami and Havana right here in Atlanta. They offer Cuban cuisine made with recipes from their mom's cookbook. For more on the awesomeness at Mojitos, check our description box below. So guys, let's catch up with the news because it's been a little bit of a, a small break between uh, yeah, us playing and uh, some kind of important news coming out. Uh, but uh, yeah, so LA United, as we all know, uh, there is that rumor that Donington Nagby is being traded to Columbus Crew. Uh, there was the AJC article that came out that said that they had tried to keep Donington Nagby. And uh, that's, yeah, Donington Nagby. Uh, yes, we knew all along that he wanted to go to an Ohio team. Uh, and actually, his request was to be traded to either one of the Ohioan teams. Is that it? Ohioan? Yeah. Um, and so, FC Cincy or Columbus Crew. And it turns out it is Columbus Crew. Uh, but does not deserve FC Cincy. Right. <laughs> yeah, that, send him that'd be a cruel twist of fate. But <laughs> he would make them immediately so much better, which... Yeah, yeah true. You true. Know, but they would still struggle to score goals, that's for sure. Right. But, uh, but in terms of that, so Atlanta United had to reluctantly trade mm -hmm. him. And that's really the sad part. I mean, it's just, you know, it's, uh, it's one of those where Dante Nagby, I mean... Why? What? Why Ohio? I get it. I get it in one sense. But, I mean, family, bro. Right? <laughs> All of his family. Yeah. He grew up there. Went to school there. Yeah. College coaches there. Right. Former coach at Portland. Is but Ohio. <laughs> but also Ohio. I mean, right. I think the most disappointing thing is that he's he's just been so key for Atlanta United. I don't know if Columbus is going to be a team that's challenging for an MLS Cup anytime. Yeah, to be able to utilize his there. Right. But I mean, I guess the important thing to say is, as of recording, and we are recording this on Tuesday, it hasn't been officially announced by the club. Mm. That being said, the trade win closes on Wednesday so I would expect it to be announced possibly by the time Probably, you're watching yeah. this right I would say 100% chances is gonna happen it's yeah. not gonna go behind the only thing that's left to find out is how much money we're getting which mm -hmm. is apparently a record-breaking amount so I guess right. that's a positive yeah. yeah and so we can definitely use it on some of these players uh, like a Julian Gressel right. who's asking for uh, to be a priority with LA United and uh, another AJC article pretty much uh, he was quoted as saying it's come to a point where I produced a lot I played well I should reap the benefits of that I want to do that if it's here if the club wants me uh, wants to make me a priority here I would love to be here if the club decides not to make me a priority here I would love to go somewhere where I can be a priority what are you guys' thoughts Ooh, on that? yeah, using the word priority a few times in there. I mean, oh. I think... I, oh, you I mean, no, I mean, I think, uh, I think it's fair, but at the same time, uh, like, to kind of paraphrase what Joe Patrick said on Twitter, Atlanta United, this is this is their MO in terms of how they're going to handle this. Probably not going to handle this mid-season anyway, especially after, like, they already agreed to a new deal with Miles. Like, But Miles Robinson, that was done mid-season, so... No, I mean, yeah, but I think, you know, I think it's, like, one thing at a time kind sure. of thing, and I think, like, with the Gressel deal, it's a little more complicated because, yes, Gressel has produced more. He's, like, first or second in appearances for the club. I mean, he's a big player, and so... Yeah, I can understand him wanting to get to maximize his value, especially being on such a low salary in the first three seasons. But at the same time, like the club has to be smart about this because they have a lot of things they need to take care of, like replacing Darlington Nagy. Right, and also, yeah, the CBA definitely has a huge effect on his thing as right. well. As you know, he's probably going to be a high TAM contract, and, and so the league does not like doing that for what it's worth. The yeah. league has had a history of not. Because the league has final approval from what I've read mm. when it comes to draft picks going on to be TAM and GAM players. The league historically has not liked that happening. They have prevented that from happening because yeah. it sets the precedent of draft players commanding high fees. Mm. And that's not usually happened. Julian Russell's in a very unique situation here. And I think he's produced in terms of offensively to a DP level, I mm. think, in terms of what you can expect from an MLS level DP. Assist-wise, yeah. Assist-wise. Yeah. And I think in terms of offensive production... Over three years, he's second only to Joseph. Obviously, he was Miguel Almiron. Mm -hmm. But I think the biggest issue for him is that Atlanta United does not know how much they can pay him. They do not know how much money he is technically worth because they don't know the rules of which they'll be paying him under. Right. So mm -hmm. 
and honestly, in my opinion, I thought that the Miles Robinson deal was really club friendly. And if I'm Miles, I would have sacked my agent because you got MLS Team of the Year, best 11, yeah. and you came second in Defender of the Year. Why not wait till the end of the year and see that? Because you can command more money. I don't know. Yeah, no, but it's true. Yeah, we talked about that. You don't know how time. much mm-hmm. Gressel can get. So I think the club is kind of waiting because it's like, you don't know. I mean, if, if mm. you lose DPs and DPs go away or you know allocation money goes away, you can pay him more money. But right. if not, you're kind of shoehorned into a situation where you might have to let him go only because you can't literally afford to give the guy what he wants. Right. Yeah, but I, I think it's also, yeah, Julian Gressel, I mean, he has said that he wants to be here at Atlanta United. So in terms of uh, it might be posturing a little bit, I, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it does set that precedent. But in terms of if he does set the precedent, I mean, in terms of the Super Draft, it's being kind of devalued already anyway. Yeah. So it might uh, kind of go by the wayside already uh but also there is that order of operations it's very very important right now that yeah we have to wait on that cba and then we can really make the moves and determine how much we can actually give him so. but i think what we all three agree on is the fact that whatever we give him he deserves that yeah like, he deserves yeah. that pay raise Absolutely. he has been an incredible player mm-hmm. and especially if he persists with the back three yeah he's the best right wing back in the, in the right. entire league. And he's been so versatile that he's been managed to stay on the field. I mean, the, that yeah. first season, they didn't really use it to get the back, and he mm-hmm. still saw the field a lot as a rookie. So, True. I mean, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think, he's, I think he's proved himself either right. way. Yeah. What what I don't maybe agree with and what I don't want to happen, uh, yeah. even though I think he would deserve uh, whatever money he gets, is if we kind of offset what he didn't make in the first three years mm, yeah. with you know giving him way more than maybe he really deserves. Yeah, I, I think that's not good business. And so. that doesn't really seem like Daniel's yeah. mo. I think like yeah. he'll play it smart. Anyway. I think he's a he's a ta- like in today's salary, he's a definitely a TAM player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm. certainly, yeah, level of production definitely a TAM player for sure. Yeah. Uh, next bit of news is that Miles Robinson is still limited by his hamstring injury that he suffered in October. Uh, that's according to AJC as well. And yeah, I mean, uh, it's one of those where the U.S. men's national team, uh, you, you can go suck one because it's just really, <laughs> it's been <laughs> really a shambles. And yeah. then you know. Uh, he, you know, doesn't get invited back for obvious reasons. He's right. still injured. Right. But uh, what do you guys think about those? Yeah, look, my favorite players are not playing for the U.S. Yeah. No Miles, no Christian Pulisic. So, yeah, I'm all for that. Yeah, I, I feel like Brad Uzan you... isn't one of your favorite players. Oh, I, I'm sorry. I forgot about him. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be fair, it's not in season for Brad Uzan anymore. Right. So it's not as important. Plus, would mean, he start? For you, I mean... I don't care. Look, the point is, is that you don't have your best play- one of your best players going to play for them as a Chelsea fan. That has to make you happy, considering what they did. You know, you don't want Christian Pulisic having his hamstring fall off because he needs to be running dead sprints after a game he didn't play in against Cuba or Canada. Yeah. Or, some yeah. Shit like or that. worse yet, trying to save that awful mediocre program. Fuck you, U.S. Men's National Team. Wow. <laughs> Uh, okay. Harsh words, but uh, but maybe deserved. Uh, yeah. But anyway, so moving on from that, so the MLS uh, 2019 MLS Cup final drew an estimated 1.7 million on ABC, Univision, and the digital properties. And that's according to Stephen Goff. Uh, but LA United uh, and Portland Timbers last season, mm-hmm. we did pretty much 1.56 million estimated on Fox alone. Uh, we probably did higher numbers than the, the one this season. I mean, yeah. I think the most important thing is, is like, it's not really a dick measuring competition with Seattle, but I think the best part about it is that in back-to-back years, you've had massive rises in the total, both in attendance, the people going to the game, mm-hmm. and what you have on TV. And it's a good on look, TV, yeah. they put it up against the NFL. Yeah. And, it, and it still pulled on an audience, which is incredible. Right. So it's like, you know, that number, if we're being perfectly honest with ourselves, if that had been Seattle and Atlanta, or Atlanta and LA, it would have been even higher. Right. So the thing is, is that in terms of TV audience and actual match attendance and the passion you see in these cities, it's going up and it's heading in the right direction. Yeah. That's, that's the most important thing. And also, like, I think we, we played on a Saturday night. I think maybe it's a little less crowded uh, TV schedule at that point, less competitive. You know, then maybe if there's like a big college game. But still, still, there's a lot of people on Saturday nights. They have some things to do. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Sunday afternoon. Yeah. But still, I mean, they still have against the NFL and it, and it, and it did well. So yeah. I think the yeah. only negative about everything was the fact that it was a noon kickoff, basically in Seattle. But yeah. then again, they had the entire Sunday to get Liddy after they won. Right. So. 
yeah. that was productive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure, yeah, exactly. Any, anytime I have something scheduled on like noon on a Sunday, I pretty much do nothing for the rest like, of the day. For us, yeah. we win MLS Cup and it was incredible, but it's also like 30 degrees outside, exactly. pissing yeah. down rain at like 11 o'clock at night. We still party. Like, yeah, we party. Right. <laughs> still, it was like, yeah. It's yeah, not like, right. Not like the game had finished in the middle of the afternoon and it was like enjoyable weather outside. It's <laughs> like, let's get, I mean, have that game been played at three o'clock in the afternoon at the bins and you win, the game's yeah. over at five. You the literally have literally six or seven more hours of the day. The MLS Cup would have gone <laughs> to Magic City that night. Yeah, exactly. That same night. I don't think I would have remembered what I did that day. Exactly, because <laughs> yeah, ours was what an eight p.m. Eight, and then seven, so, eight, yeah, yeah and then late. so we only had a couple hours to really do right, something. So, right. but still, I mean, it's awesome. Congrats to Seattle, I guess. Yeah. So we can just talk briefly about MLS Cup. I mean, Seattle, yeah. they deserved it. They played better. Toronto, they're pissed because the first goal came from what they said should have been called back for a foul. I'm sorry, I don't give a shit because you wouldn't even be there if the same thing happened in our game. Yeah. So yeah. go and do one. <laughs> I kind of wanted to finish just one nil and then losing on an own goal because that's know, what they deserve right. and I hate them. But you know what? <laughs> it so, would have been poetic justice. Right. But, uh, Credit to Seattle. They got yeah. the job done. Yeah, they Atletico Madrid their way. They really yeah, did. The Seriously. Ryan Schmetzer, he's got to be the, what, the best American coach behind Jesse Marsh, right? Yeah, he, yeah. he's Maybe quite, Bob Bradley still for me. No. Nah. No. Quite storied no. at this moment. I refuse to well, give him credit. Yeah, I, I guess. I guess you don't alive. like American Pep. No, don't give him that much credit. No, I know, I know, I know. I'm just triggering you at this point. No, Ooh, okay. No, but anyway, let's move you know on from that. Get lost. <laughs> um, next topic is that the presidents of Atlanta United, the Falcons, the Braves, and the Hawks. They have formed an alliance and sent a letter to the state lawmakers to ask them to legalize online and mobile sports betting. And uh, that's a very interesting bit of news because, yeah, I mean, in terms of uh, betting, it hasn't really been allowed quite yet, obviously. But, I mean, that maybe opens up Pandora's box and uh, yeah. quite a few of other things. But, I mean, what, what do uh, these teams actually get out of this? What do you guys think? I mean, I think it's fine. I, the, yeah. I mean, I don't want to come off across as one of those people who is like Euro snobbish, but I mean, if you go to a game literally anywhere pretty much in continental Europe, if I go to a game at Old Trafford to watch Man United play, they have actual brick and mortar like bookies in the stadium where you can go around and place bets on first goal or, you know, final score, who's going to win, stuff like that. Or yeah. you can do it on your phone on a little mobile app and it's mm -hmm. like, you know, I want to put a tenner on Atlanta United to win by three goals or for Joseph to score the first goal, even though I'd get literally zero return on that. Because of course, everyone knows that will happen. Right. But I mean, I think that for me personally, it comes down to if some people don't want it, that's fine. But I don't think that you're going to have the sport jeopardized if people fear. Um, I don't see that being an issue. And if some people want to do it, I think you should allow that and tax it and, and let you know the, the state and the city be able to reap the benefits of that. Right. Yeah, I mean, especially in England, I mean, betting companies even sponsor some teams, you know? Yeah, so it's like, it's, it's definitely right. ingrained in the culture. Some of them even have two sponsors. Uh, right. Betting companies. <laughs> right, yeah. like one on the sleeve and the front, right. But yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah, so I mean, it's it's definitely part of the game. And I think also you're seeing the that trend in American sports, because I think we're starting to realize over here the, the money that can be made off of it. Honestly, so yeah, I think it's one of those things. If it's not your thing, completely understandable. I probably wouldn't place that many bets, but it's something that uh, financially could definitely help. But the I mean, club. you already and have it as is, where you have like these, like you know, FanDuel and all this stuff, which yeah, is the same right. thing. Exactly. It's already right. gambling, and I guess it's been it's been a taboo subject for so many people. But for me personally, it's just like I don't want to kind of control someone's morality if they want to do that and if they want to place money mm -hmm. on it that's their prerogative especially if it's something that can be controlled and then again mm -hmm. use those profits to go back in and fund state programs yeah why not you're gonna get that because you're gonna have you have a lot of games at Atlanta United that soccer and betting it just goes hand in hand and you're gonna have people that do it happens anyway yeah. so why would you just let that money go out the window as opposed to being able True. to use it yeah, I mean, the lottery is literally a giant bet. It's, just, so. exactly. yeah, it's, it's there. Like, Very let's good just stop point. hiding yeah. behind the right. pretending we're not doing it. Right. So, the other question is, would you guys bet? I'm yeah. not a gambler. I mean, personally, like, I I don't do it. I don't like betting on Man United. Like, when I would no. go, I've never bet on them. The only time I've ever bet on anything was I bet for Real Madrid to win the Champions League one time, and I bet for the Cubs to win the World Series, and they did, right. and I won like 50 bucks, but I'm Ooh. not a gambler. <laughs> like, I've gone to Vegas one time, I lost $50 playing roulette, and I was like, cool, I really don't care, I'm not going to do that ever again. I'm just not a gambling person, and I'm superstitious. Yeah, so. and like, I wouldn't do serious bets, like, I wouldn't bet on Atlanta United results, but maybe do, like, fun uh, prop bets, like, yeah. I think Joseph's going to score a hat trick today. Yeah, something. you know, I do that. Like, yeah, and, yeah. like, place, like, 10, 20 bucks on it, like, yeah, yeah but... Every now and then, but I was, 
like full on, mm, probably I, not. I'm not. I'm poor as is. I'm yeah. not putting what money I have on gambling. <laughs> right. That's well, not my idea of a good time. Because <laughs> it's also that MLS is really kind of a crapshoot in terms of what could happen on any given game. Right. Uh, especially you have like a weekday match, and then you know anything can go out the window. We are familiar with those. So weekday match on a cross country economy flight. You got delayed twice. Yeah. You have like a flight canceled in like Milwaukee or something. Exactly. Yeah, who knows? Anything yeah. could happen. And so yeah, I mean it. It, it will be fun though and so i think uh either way whoever is uh into betting i think uh it's probably gonna be a good thing for them and you know why not so but uh last topic in the news is that the uh the five stripe boys have uh they've uh they've done a little going away party essentially for Dundon Nagby and michael parkhurst and it's just a sad tear but uh it is cool to kind of see kind of guys that you don't usually see hanging out with each other kind of hang out and it's just a kind of a you know a showing of good and excellent camaraderie uh that's i think the boys enjoyed it you saw that yeah you know you have the likes of like florentine pogba hanging out with you know Dante nagby and um you know just parky hanging out with anybody on the team it's yeah just really great to see so yeah but um anyway so that's it for the news and that gets us to our season review and uh pretty much we're going to go through a bunch of uh you know topics of like best match worst match etc etc but uh yeah so first one that we're going to get to is the best match and so uh i put it to you tanner which match in 2019 was the best for you for me, I'm going to go the 3-2 in in the uh, Campeones Cup over Club America. I think that's the best team Atlanta United has ever played next to Monterey. The atmosphere was incredible. The game itself was, for my personal enjoyment, I thought it was the best game I've ever seen in an Atlanta United game. Um, and to win it, to boot, was incredible. Um, yeah, that's got to be my best game. Mark? Yeah, uh, that's that's my best game too. Yeah, like you said, the atmosphere, I think the back and forth nature of it because of you had two strong teams. I mean, as we uh, covered at the time, uh, Club America brought a pretty strong lineup, a pretty regular lineup to that game. And so mm -hmm. I think uh, what you ended up seeing was a really a great spectacle. And I think uh, for a lot of people who were maybe on the fence about the Campeones Cup before, afterwards were like, this is a valuable thing that we, mm. we need to keep going, like just for the league in general. And so, yeah, I think on uh, a lot of different notes, that was a, it was a great match. And of course, you know, winning it, lifting a trophy afterwards. Yeah, yeah that's definitely. a pretty sweet, sweet memory. Mm. Uh, I think, yeah, definitely performance-wise from LA United and from the other team as well, it was definitely the most entertaining match of the season. That's for sure, even though we conceded two goals, but still, it was just one of those... They were good, so though. Like, like exactly. the thing, when you were watching them, it was like, when Monterey came here and played, they knew that they didn't have to do much, and they exactly. shut up shop. But right. America came so here to trap. win, yeah. and to see them play that well, it's just yeah. like, it kind of put in perspective the difference. Even though, yeah, and I had won, the difference between you know, Liga MX and MLS, we were just like, holy crap, these guys are all really freaking right. good. And, and they also, yeah, didn't play their very, you know, best squad. And, and they neither tried did to we. win. Yeah, and neither did we. And so that's, you know, we still went mano a mano with kind of our squads. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we still came out on top. And uh, I mean, that Larry Screamer is still just in my head where right. I was like, God, that's such a sweet hit. When it went God. in, I was just like, yo, what? <laughs> yeah, he did a madness. How did he do that? Right. He did a madness. But, uh, but I think for uh, a kind of uh, a conciliary prize, is it this conciliary? What's the word? Conciliatory? Just conciliatory? That's no. not the word. Anyway. Uh, I, honorable mention. Yeah, there we go. go uh, is the Houston Dynamo match where we result-wise consolation. Yeah, consolation. Ah. <laughs> there we go. Thank you. And uh, where we smacked him up five nil. Albert Elise. Uh, he got uh, red carded early for arguing and doing crazy shit. But um, yeah, that was a fun game where you know you saw Nagby score like one of his only goals this season, mm -hmm. two goals uh, of the season. But uh, Vasquez, Joseph twice, and Gressel, I mean, it's just, that was a fun game to be at for sure. Yeah. And, um, I think, yeah, that's the Constellation Prize. But uh, worst match of the season, which is not always fun, but, you know, I think it's necessary yeah. to do yeah. these things. Yeah, uh, can you do it on a Wednesday night in Chicago, apparently? <laughs> we could not. <laughs> Oh man, that was awful. It was what uh, four nil after twenty minutes. Like that was, he's probably the worst capitulation Lee Nice ever had. I mean, yeah. just 
awful from top to bottom, losing LGP to, I think what is still kind of a harsh call, deliberate handball call, but mm -hmm. regardless, you know, yeah, it's just, uh, it just one of those where you just wanted the game to end after the first 20 minutes. Yeah, uh, I, I see that loss and I agree with it. Uh, mine would be also the, uh, the Columbus Crew match uh, oh, at the Benz. We lost 1-3. Oh, uh, I mean, gosh. you know, you have that Miles Robinson own goal. It's just like one of those, like, we shouldn't beat this team. They should not even have uh, really gotten two goals, let alone, I think, even one goal. But, uh, yeah, I mean, some sometimes you just have that really off night, and this was absolutely one of them. Um, where, I mean, I think Chicago, uh, it might have blindsided us, and we probably expected to win, but I think Columbus Crew, I think we were in a, a good, pretty good spell. Yeah. You know, and... And at home. Like, we, we just can't. come back from an international break, too. Yeah. yeah, and it's one of those, yeah, we come back and then we just we drop and lay an egg because it's just, you know, uh, for some reason this season, uh, after international breaks, we just can't have come out really, really drab. Yeah. And uh, this was absolutely a big example of more of that. Right. I'm going to go with the 4-1 loss at NYCFC because it was that moment where you really could determine who finished first as the first seed. Not that it really mattered in the long run. Hurts the most. But yeah, yeah. it was the fact that we came out and immediately you're like, what are we doing? Because it wasn't like Chicago where you just got blindsided. It was you knew what NYCFC was going to do. You knew exactly how they were going to play. You knew the quality they had. And yet we still played players out of position in this wide open way. It was just like, seriously, what the hell are we trying to accomplish right now? And we got absolutely taken to pieces and that was, you know, done and dusted for first place in the East. And it yeah. was just like, why did we do that? And then you had the, the Aaron Hyde, you know, thing at halftime where he basically came out and roasted the whole team. And it was just like, yeah, that's how all the fans feel right now. Yeah. So and he was yeah. Right. <laughs> He was right, and he doesn't probably have a job the club anymore. Yep, unfortunately not. But uh, it wasn't because of that, but it was because of other things. But uh, <laughs> disagreeing with Frank DeBoer, apparently it gets you I agreed with you, fired. Hyde. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, so uh, we'll move on to best moment of the season, and I'll go ahead first. Um, I think it's actually winning the U.S. Open Cup against Minnesota United, where, yeah, it was... Yeah, squeaky bum time for sure. Um, I mean, we got the red card and we had to just hold on, hold on, hold on and just make sure. Uh, and it was super difficult. It was like nail biter for everybody. Mm -hmm. But I think the fact that we, you know, got our second trophy and then also qualified for the Champions League yeah. is what makes it the best moment. Yeah. Yeah. I think for me, it's like, if you want to go for like an individual moment outside of winning the trophies, because obviously those are the first two that come to mind, Correct. to go back to that Campionius Cup game, yeah. that first goal by Emerson Hyndman was one of the sweetest goals that this team has scored. Yeah. And in that moment, it kind of just like, it made you think, okay, we're here, we're in this, this is going to be a good game. It got yep. that game off at the start of knowing, okay, we're here to compete. And just how the movement and the buildup came in for him to come on a run from midfield into the box like that, which is not something that a lot of midfielders for Atlanta had to do, and to calmly saw that thing home, I was like, wow, that was a great goal. And it kind of got that occasion going as an individual really? moment. That one was just, that mm -hmm. was sweet. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to go back to the Open Cup. And so, like, unfortunately, I was not able to attend the Campionis Cup. I really wish I had because I heard the atmosphere was, you know, just lit. Mm -hmm. But, uh, but yeah, seeing uh, Lady and I raise another trophy, uh, you know, a, a historic competition. And, uh, like you mentioned, Champions League, you know, and all that. But also, the fact that it was the seventh uh, match that month and our seventh win that month you know mm -hmm. what i mean it was uh that second half yeah definitely saw the fatigue but uh but yeah i think because of all of that that to me the best moment of the of the of the season okay love that love that uh so moving on from that it's the worst individual moment and uh we'll go with you tanner um i think you know the easy answer would be the final whistle against toronto but um no for for me i think it's like in for an individual in like general i'm gonna go with the lgp red card versus chicago because it was just like one of those things was like for sake man like seriously <laughs> yeah. like we've already been trashed yeah, and then this is gonna on, happen yeah. and just yeah. add, the, add the insult to injury type thing it was just one of those like throw the keyboard throw the tv out just break <laughs> fifa and get buy a new xbox kind of <laughs> right. rage quit for sure yeah right <laughs> Mark? Yeah, for me, it's the uh, the Guzan era versus DC United. Oh, yeah, you know, it's the uh, it's the opening, it's the season opener, and um, it just, yeah, it wasn't our day, drab performance. I think we were already down at that point, and then that happens, and it's just like, ugh, another, another shoddy performance in DC. Uh, not another opening loss to the season. It's, uh, it's, yeah, 
So for all those reasons, that wasn't for me. Just set the wrong tone, I think, that night and maybe for the season a little bit. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, mine, I think, is Miles Robinson's own goal uh, against the Columbus crew, like I just mentioned. Uh, kind of iced the game for them, and that really kind of stinks. It's really, I mean, one of the few kind of uh, low moments of uh, Miles Robinson's, like, 2019, uh, definitely of his career, I mean, so, but it was, I think, still um, kind of the start of the kind of slide during the season as well, and so our form definitely slipped a lot after that. It wasn't the same after that as well, so I think it's definitely Miles Robinson's own goal, unfortunately. But uh, moving on from that, our player of the season. Who's your player of the season, Mark? Yeah, so I give this a lot of thought, and uh, this is tough. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you could you could go several different directions, and right. we will. But yeah. uh, for me, it's Darlington Nagby, and the reason why I say that, I think he was the player who most exemplifies being good from beginning to end. Like, it seemed like every match. I really, I'm struggling to think of a match where he didn't show up. You know, and it's it's what he does. I think like we've talked about. Press yeah. resistant, keeping the ball, making tackles, like just giving you that work rate and that quality game in, game out. I just, like I said before, man, I really don't know where the season would have gone. I think it would have gone really off the rails if we didn't have a consistent performer like Nagby. I think there are other shouts who maybe uh, certainly peaked at certain moments in mm-hmm. the season, but then also had dips in the season. I think for me, Nagby was consistent from beginning to end. Yeah, uh, for me, I think it's Joseph Martinez, absolutely, because he's the one that finishes off our moves. I mean, if we don't have the goals, we don't win those games. Uh, I mean, I think it's, you know, a very important thing that, you know, we were kind of like built around Joseph Martinez, like completely when we were starting to play well. Uh, definitely our best moments of the season include Joseph Martinez in it. Uh, and 28 goals after a record-breaking season is nothing to sniff, or nothing to shake your stick at. So it's also, I mean, I think he's, um, you know, just as prolific as they come in terms of strikers uh, in this league. So yeah, I mean, for me, it's got to be Joseph Martinez. What about you? For me, I went with Miles Robinson. Um, I think that Miles Robinson, aside from that, you know, horror show in Herediano that everyone had. Um, he developed into one of the best, if not the best, center back in Major League Soccer this season. Mm-hmm. And it was because of his development that it allowed the play at Atlanta to play with a three at the back system with him in the middle. And the way he continued to develop and get better and better, turning into one of the best one-on-one defenders, which allowed players like LGP and Escobar to have more freedom. I think without him, Atlanta's defense wouldn't have been nearly as good because I didn't think I think he made LGP better, mm-hmm. and I think he makes Franco Escobar better, and he made the players around him better. Mm-hmm. And without him at the back, I don't think Atlanta would have done anything. Kind of with without Joseph up front banging them in, without Miles Robinson at the back, I don't think you can say that Atlanta would have been as successful. So for me, he's going to be my player this season. Oh, it just still hurts that. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, and I think that him being out made Atlanta change the system yeah, that they had to play in the playoffs. We would have been more swashbuckling. We would have pushed forward a lot more. I mean, yeah. I feel confident been. saying we would be in Toronto with Miles. I feel confident saying for playing three five two, we could have won in the last cup yeah. again. So. Yeah, and but that's what's also interesting is that uh, all the players that we picked are the spine of the team. Yeah. And that's very, very, I think, poignant here is that when you have a good spine, you have a good team normally, most of the time, I think, anyway. But uh, and so, I mean, you know, this might be a little bit repetitive. This one, then <laughs> defender of the season. Uh, what what do you got? I'm just going to say Miles Robinson. <laughs> yeah. Miles, Miles, Miles. A credit to Frank DeBoer for believing in Miles from day one. Yeah. For literally, like, we were surprised to see him in the starting lineup versus Arediano and like playing every game but yeah you could see his progression and so yeah Miles yeah I think it's without a doubt Miles but uh, I think yeah I mean you know in terms of holding together the team in terms of our shape and in terms of uh, allowing the other players to push forward of course it's Miles but uh, also uh, I think a good shout out to Franco Escobar as well for uh, once he came into the team we actually were able to play some of the kind of shapes that we wanted and systems that we wanted to play and also playoff uh, Escobar is an awesome Escobar exactly for sure for sure but uh, next one is attacker of the season who's that now it's my turn to talk about Joseph, right? No, I mean, yeah, 28 goals. Fun fact, 28 goals actually still beats the previous record, uh, you know, before Joseph broke it last yep. year. So too bad uh, Carlos Vela is lots on overshadowed that a little bit. But, I mean... He did get injured, yeah. Yeah, so. that too. You know, I yeah, because I think... We talked about this before. I think Joseph could still beat the new record. And, I mean, I yeah, if Joseph stays for the next three, four seasons, man, he's going to be the gold king of MLS. Yeah. 
Joseph, I mean, uh, everything's already been said. <laughs> That's fair. And just, yeah, I, I can't mean, I can't disagree with Joseph, uh, but I think Jillian Gressel was as crucial to our attack as anybody. And uh, I think, you know, for his 12 assists and his goals, they were all the time, very timely. Uh, I mean, all the service to Joseph Martinez, he wouldn't have gotten yeah, as many of the goals as he'd gotten if uh, Julian Gressel wasn't feeding him, or even just you know that that secondary ball to uh, get that ball, that final ball to Jose Martinez, and so uh, he's been crucial in a lot of our best play this season. Um, was he always part of the buildup? Maybe not, but I think his final ball was always there this season. So yeah, I mean for me. Julian Gressel. But um, yeah, next one is signing of the season. I'll go first with this one. Um, I think, I mean, there's some good shouts in here. But uh, I think it's Emerson Hyman, which uh, was actually a signing um, in July. And uh, with that, I think that he, uh, yeah, I mean, he allowed us to play some of the, I think, ball that Frank DeBoer really wanted to play in terms of kind of that combo playing, in terms of uh, kind of moving up the pitch uh, in those triangles and really finding that space. Um, yeah, and you saw that, yeah, he was uh, starting over the likes of P.T. Martinez right. and sometimes Ezekiel Barco. And I mean, right. he, I think, really showed himself uh, this season, whether he maybe uh, is a better player than some of the other players that uh, are, you know, were our signings. That's another thing. But I think Everson Hyman had a very, very large impact. Now, some other guys probably had a larger impact, but... We'll get to that. Right. Yeah, so for me, it's Justin Miram. And wait, Tanner, what did uh, what did we give up for Justin Miram? What was it again? Bag of Doritos? Bag of Doritos. Soccer ball? Half soccer ball. And <laughs> Half soccer. Skittles and Romari Williams. Yeah, so I think that's what it is for me is the value that we got from that acquisition. Um, and yeah, you know, he held down left back, left wing back for uh, large parts of the season. He was very good. He did add dynamism to our play. And so, yeah, for me, I think... Uh, because, you know, like, he was, the last year and a half, his career was kind of, you know... He's waiting, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know? So, I think uh, to have that kind of rebound with that lane, uh, for me, I think that's what makes it the signing of the season. Um, does Miles Robinson's new contract count? Because that's super <laughs> team-friendly, and I think he could be making more money than what he's getting. But, no, I have to agree with, with Mark. I think it's Justin Miram. Um, when he was originally signed, I don't think we expected him to be, end up playing left wing back. But, as it turned out, because of his signing, we were able to play at the back you know, back three and him playing as a wing back, and he added a lot in that system. And I think for the goals that he scored alone, a few bangers in there, you know, you, you got to say that it was it was a real quality signing, especially for like Mark said, the money that we paid for him it turned out to be great. Yeah. yeah, no, it really allowed us to play in the system that we preferred, at least in terms of what the players preferred, probably. But uh, and so that kind of opened up the game for you know the whole team. But uh, next one is injury of the season. It's an interesting yeah. one, and so Tanner. Uh, Miles Robinson because of the U.S. men's freaking national team because I think that completely changed the system that Atlanta had played and you would have seen a lot different of a, of a team and a setup in the playoffs something that the team is much more comfortable playing in and things could have turned out differently but because the U.S. men's national team is run by a bunch of clowns we did not have him and yeah things didn't go our way so I, thanks for halters <laughs> I, I apologize for fogging up the camera with the steam that's coming out of me right now oh Anyway. Yeah, but yeah, <laughs> you, yours, yours. <laughs> no, uh, for me, it's uh, Zico Barco, man. I mean, those, those early season highlights, the goal against New England, the performance against Kansas City, and you just thought, oh yeah, this is it. This is the this is the player that was uh, much hyped about, mm-hmm. and then he did well at the U twenty World Cup, and just couldn't get it going with the injuries after that. So yeah, for me, I think uh, it very well could have been a very different season. I think if uh, PD and Barco in particular had spent. Been able to spend more time together on the field, you know, what it could have looked like. I mean, hopefully, we'll get to see that in 2020. We don't know, mm-hmm. but yeah, that's it. That, for me, it's Barco. Yeah, for me, it's Franco Escobar because yeah, we weren't able to play with a right back for pretty much what like first two months of the season, something like that. And uh, without that, we were playing some ridiculous systems that were not utilizing the players. We yeah. were playing a Mikey Ambrose at a right wing back at times. Um, and so, yeah, exactly. And so when you finally, yeah, sure, like Julian Gressel uh, slides into right wing back, but I think we saw the solidity when Franco Escobar finally returned 
Uh, and whether it was at right center back or right wing back um, or at right back, I mean, he was able to allow us to play the, the way that we wanted and we definitely attack more uh, with him in the team versus the kind of, yeah, the shutout streak that we had, but it was very, very drab and boring kind of uh, actual play from that period. So, uh, yeah, definitely got to be Escobar for me. But, uh, yeah, last one of the season then in the review, how would you rate Frank DeBoer's and his staff's job in this season out of 10? Damn. Five. Five out of 10. Um, I think the reason that I give him a five out of 10 is that the season end up in a way great. Yeah, you won the U.S. Open Cup, which you hadn't won before. You won Campione's Cup, which you hadn't won before. Um, well, you didn't have a chance to win it before, but still. I give him a five because I think at the end of the day, Atlanta United ended up where they should have been to begin with. I think that the reason people were thinking, you know, I take a certain spot in the playoffs is because of how bad the first half of the season was. And he's admitted that he tried putting too many stamps on this team. And I thought it was arrogant and stupid of him to come in and try to completely change the way that this team played, um, to ignore the players that he had, to try to culture shift so drastically, and to think that that was going to go over well. And I think that was a bit of hubris for him to realize it wasn't working. And yeah, the team ended up, you know, decent where, wherever they are. You know, he, it's not like he finished first or, you know, we, ha we haven't won a supporter shield yet or anything, so you right. can't say that would have happened. Yeah. But I think it took him a lot longer to get to where we should have been. July, you know, after that Seattle loss to figure out, oh, maybe these guys should play in a three at the back system that they're comfortable and happy playing in mm -hmm. before we actually did anything. And then we go on that run, we win our trophies, and it's like, oh, great, everything's fine now. But why did it take so long to get here? Mm -hmm. And for that, I'm giving him a five because I think that you could have had a whole season of that had he just come in and not tried to do too much too fast. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah, all those criticisms are, are well said, I think. For me, though, it is a seven. And so I think... Uh, my caveats for him are, you know, new league, of course, really kind of a condensed schedule. It was, it was a bit crazy at times, to be honest, perfectly honest. And, you know, to still get to uh, the semifinal in the postseason and to win the Open Cup, I think the performance in knockout uh, tournaments this season was encouraging. I think what you saw in the postseason as well gives me hope going into next season in terms of the system we're playing, in terms of the ideas getting through to the team. And I, for the mistakes that DeBoer made early on, specifically trying to do too much, I do give him credit for pulling back, listening to the players, and adjusting. That's how I think as a coach you... Honestly, you stay employed, but like you know, you have to have a relationship with your players, you know? and you, it's not no, it's no longer you just tell them what to do and they follow along. Like that's not going to work, you know. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think uh, all things considered, I think the board and staff did okay. Yeah, I definitely wouldn't go higher than seven, but you know, getting back into the Champions League, especially, I think that's what uh, really puts the cherry on top of the season for me. So seven mm -hmm. out of ten for that. Yeah. For me, I think it's a six and a half. Uh, I think it's a, you know, kind of, uh, it's a decent season. I mean, you know, we had the expectations of, uh, you know, Support Shield, MLS Cup. We wanted to win it all. Uh, you know, we wanted the Champions League as well. And then to kind of have to settle for the U.S. Open Cup and Campiona's Cup. That's definitely a kind of, uh, you know, the barometer is definitely lowered for sure. And so that's something that has to be taken into account. Uh, does he meet all of Darren Eels' expectations? Probably not. Uh, and in terms of if you compare it to uh, this season and last season, yes, you know, you know, there's a lot of different factors, but it's still, you know, we were 11 points worse uh, than last season. We we scored 12 goals less than last season, and uh, yeah, I mean, we conceded about the same number of goals in 43 to 44. Right. Uh, but in despite terms of, having more clean sheets, yeah, despite having more clean sheets, I mean, it's yeah, definitely there were some blowouts, and when they were blowouts, man, ooh. Um, and so you know, there is that. You know, uh, you have to, as a coach, like, how do you motivate your team after halftime if you're down a, a good number of goals, and right. sometimes it just didn't happen. Um, and so, yeah, it was very up and down. I think if you pulled anybody, it would be an up and down season. This would not be a glowing, like, errorless season. But, uh, I mean, yeah, a couple of trophies to boot. I mean, it's still very, very nice in terms of uh, kind of the salvaging of what happened. Because I, mean, I think as much as, like, the only things you look back on and you'll say, yeah, we won those two trophies and that's all you're going to really take from the season being positive, but just not to continue kicking a guy when he's down mm -hmm. in terms of my criticism. But 
yeah, we you know we we the goals like you said in terms of conceded were about the same. Mm-hmm. We were hopeless on the road this year, yeah. as opposed to being the best team in the league on the road last historically, year. Like, yeah. Historically. Like, historically the best. Yeah. So you're not going to meet that every year, but sure. we weren't even average. We were no. shit on the road. Yeah, like and 11 or 12 like losses. We, yeah. we fully knew if Atlanta had to go on the road in the conference finals yeah. and NCC, we would have lost anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So the fact that we had no faith in this team on the road, which is completely different from last year. Right. And then the last thing I, I will remember this season is, us losing and going with a whimper because he didn't make changes. And yeah. MLS Cup as the prime example, subs can change games. And it was right as back just the it, said. it went right back to the beginning of the season where yeah. we lose three nil to Monterey yeah. in a game where he refused to make changes. He was paralyzed by the game, thinking everything was fine. Right. When clearly something wasn't working. Yeah. Justin Miriam didn't get on. Tito didn't get on until we were down a goal. Romedi didn't come on. Hyman didn't come on. None of these guys that could have changed the game came yeah. on. Not guys to mention, a lot for the not rest to mention last season. he didn't last even have season. a Brandon Vasquez on the bench, who yeah. is the perfect player to bring on yeah, if right. you're chasing a goal because he's a big physical presence you can lump in balls to if you're trying to go route one. Yeah, yeah. so he, Well, we he, didn't really do that this season really anyway in terms no, of No, but in, in a that, knockout but, game, you yeah, have right. to have a plan B. Yes, exactly. We didn't have a plan B, and he yeah. wasn't prepared for that. So it's like... Yeah, he definitely lived and died by... He has to, he'll have to grow next season, but from the beginning of the season to the end of the season, we won two trophies, we got to where we expected to be, but nothing that was promised to us at the beginning of the season came to fruition. Daniels wanted a cup double with the Champions League and MLS Cup, they promised to play a certain way, that didn't happen until halfway through the season, they said things weren't going to change, and things did change. So, five. Yeah, Yeah. and it's also, there was a mini mutiny during the season as well, in terms of the guys having to uh, have meetings with he wouldn't have changed if that happened that's true and so you know is it really credit to him but it's credit to his adjustments and him doing that and so I think there is um, you know arguments for both that yeah he did uh, at least get better as the season got along so Uh, but anyway that does it for the season review we'll have some more uh, kind of top five moments of the season whether it's goals and uh, celebrations and whatnot as the offseason goes on so uh, there will still be other content from the season and let us know what you think yeah, indeed, indeed. What are yours for all the uh, the topics that we've mentioned? But uh, that does it for the season review and gets us to the mailbag. You guys send in these questions through IG Story. Please continue to send in your questions, and we might answer your question in the future. First question comes from James Rogers twenty six. Is Nagby leaving an actual problem, or can he be easily replaced? Who wants, who wants to take? Yeah, um, so the answers to those questions are yes and no. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, it is a problem in that we have to... Uh, th- that's going to be, I think, the biggest acquisition in the offseason, provided that none of the uh, designated players leave. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, like, can he easily be replaced? No, I think he can, but uh, Lane and I are going to have to get creative and also see what the CBA, new CBA allows. Right. It- yeah, it might take a couple players. I feel like, in my opinion, in terms yeah. of uh, being able to replicate all of what he does, because right. it's just it's not going to be as uh, you know solid in possession. Yeah. Uh, you're not going to kind of be able to actually like replicate a little bit of what he does work rate wise as well. Like right. uh, at some points during the season, he was the deepest midfielder uh, playing between center backs and you know just allowing right. us to kind of tick along and recycling possession. And it was just. Uh, Kind of a beauty to see because he played pretty much every midfield role along <laughs> during the season. So it's just like one of those things where uh, who can you get to replicate that? There's not really somebody in house uh, yeah. that can do everything that he does. So yeah. he's the best player in his position in the entire league. So yeah. it's a problem when he's leaving. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah so we'll right. have to find another player. Probably gonna have to go out of the league yes. to find a replacement. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Uh, next question comes from Kayla Mama. Is Tito staying or leaving? When does his contract end? I'll answer that, uh, and I'll, I'll let you uh, answer some other things. But his contract ends at the end of the season, pretty much. So it's already ended. And uh, so we still have his rights within MLS, but in terms of a contract, he's not on one. It's so weird with MLS rules, too, where if he went, he can go anywhere else in the world for free yeah. if he wants, if it's in South America, if it's in Europe, if it's in Mexico. But mm. if any other team in MLS wants him, even though he's out of contract, they have to trade us stuff for him because yeah. there's no freedom of movement in MLS, which I guess in this particular case is a good thing. Great, I would not good. want to see him playing for another MLS team. Very but true. for him, it's maybe not necessarily the best thing. But mm. I would almost bet the farm that TW Job will never wear an Atlanta United shirt again because 
he's not the type of player that Frank DeBoer wants. And it's a sad thing to see him go, but he spent a lot of time injured this season, and when he yeah. got on the pitch, he struggled at times. But that being said, the highlight of this year is he whipped my ass in FIFA. And if you haven't seen that video, <laughs> link in the description. Or right here in this card. But... <laughs> Anything to say about that? No, yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, because he definitely struggled with injuries this season. I think, uh, yeah, I hope, uh, you know, he gets healthy in the offseason and probably, but he needs to be playing regularly, especially at this point in his career. Yeah. You know, so it probably doesn't really make sense for him to come back to Atlanta. So uh, I could see him uh, in another MLS uniform, even though I don't want to. But, uh, but yeah, I think he's, I think he's out of here. Yeah. Next question comes from Nando Davila. If the DP rule still applies, which of our three would you not mind losing for a new star player? It's a really good question. Uh, yeah, I guess I'll take this. Um, I think, yeah, it's, it has to be Petey, you know, it's just Barco, he's a little younger. His ceiling is a little bit higher. Um, his form beginning of the season very encouraging like we talked about before. I think also it's this hypothetically, you know, if you play let's say in a 4-2-3-1, I think you want Barco at the 10 and Gressel on the right of course. And so PD at that point it's it's kind of awkward because PD is left-footed, but he's not he's not the type of player that you play on the left wing, more on the right wing if anything or in the middle. So I think it's, you know, you saw I, I think uh, where he was left out of the lineup, and I think it was more just down to the selection and what DeBoer wanted. And so I think if you could find, like, maybe a little more dynamic player to play on the wing, yeah, I, mm -hmm. I'd do that swap for PD. And the, the caveat is that we are bringing somebody else in. Like, I wouldn't want to just lose PD for, you know, like, a couple TAM players. All right. Yep. I mean, I, I think the natural answer in this is PD, but at the same time, I thought that you know, he did play throughout the whole season and Ezekiel Barco was hurt. Um, I think that he definitely had teething problems that Ezekiel Barco suffered last year, but he came in as a South American Player of the Year, so expectations were naturally higher. I don't think he performed the expectations, um, which I think were well-earned as far as I'm concerned with winning a Copa Libertadores and, you know, being so important to that river side that, that he was on, and you didn't really see that. And maybe that comes down to not adapting well to MLS, the officiating, not giving him some calls, which for, sure. for him going down easy, there was also the same amount of calls that he should have gotten when he got hacked. Um, I think he tried too hard at times as well, and he just struggled to adapt, and I don't think he really ingratiated himself the way that some other players have. And so there were some issues there that I think caused you to not see the best of PT Martinez, which is why I think it's the easy answer. Ezekiel Barco, like you said, he's younger, higher ceiling, and in terms of excitement level, when he was playing well, when he would get you know on the half turn and start driving through midfield, you got off your seat if you weren't standing already. You started leaning forward, what was gonna happen? And unfortunately, it was just due to injury that you didn't get to see more of that. So. I, I, I would say PT Martinez, um, just because, you know, like you said, it does like Barco is younger, but at the same time, I still think there's more to come from PT. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I agree with all of what you guys said about PT Martinez. I think it's Joseph Martinez. What? Are you mad? <laughs> totally not Joseph Martinez, but uh, no. So, PT Martinez, though, still, it is one of those things where, uh, yeah, in terms of potential, He's got the least potential of all these players. Uh, I think Joseph Martinez still has a lot even more to uh, score in this league and to grow even, because uh, he can be even a more complete player. PT Martinez kind of, uh, he's maybe a little too old for Europe. And so there is yes. that that thing where, yeah, I mean, in terms of uh, you know his peak, it's, it's right about now. And so he's got to get to where he's going to be at as a finished product right about this time. And so that's what's going to be difficult is, um, yeah, I mean, uh, PT Martinez is probably the most likely to go for, for me as well as these two. Yeah. But um, yeah, so next question comes from Alex Hagler. If a fourth DP spot is allowed under the next CBA, what position should we use it on? Central midfielder, please. <laughs> yeah. Central midfielder. Up Take on that, one uh, to go. Like, I don't care whether it's a holder, like a six to replace Jeff Lorinowitz, or if it's someone that comes in and does like what a Pizzardo does for Monterey. Like, a guy like that in the middle of the park to dictate things, like a Nagby, but who can dictate the play, can mm -hmm. pop up and score goals, mm -hmm. and you know when he's playing in the middle of the park, he's going to get the ball, and if you need something yeah. to happen, he will get it to your Josephs, to your Barcos, to your PTs, whoever it is. Mm -hmm. That guy who's dynamite on the ball, that's what I get for a fourth DP. 
That's yeah, I like that shot. I mean, like, I mean, yeah, absolutely central midfield. It is interesting too. Like, if you do get a DP level central midfielder, like, what type of central midfielder you go out and get? Mm -hmm. Do you get the pure defensive holding type? Do you get like the deep lying playmaker? Do you get the box to box? There's there's options. I'd be curious to see if you know if that came into fruition. I'd be curious to see who Atlanta went out and get because yeah, I think absolutely we would scour. Argentina or Mexico, possibly even Brazil, if they have the funds for that, you know? So yeah. Joe Patrick did an interesting article on this on Dirty South Soccer where he kind of used football manager and brought in some players from South right. America. I know you like that. <laughs> I love that. Um, but no, it, it's funny because, well, football managers actually used by clubs because its scouting system is so like on point so yeah. it's not the craziest thing in the world. Right. But he mentioned, you know, using it for like a true six because Larry is getting up in his age. You don't really have anyone else that can play that role. And you saw how someone, vital he was. And you see how vital a player like that is. But Jeff, for as good as Larry is to get a DP level, so three, four, five times better than that, who can right. move and can really do a lot more, that gives you that solid base in front of your defense, yeah. that could be a very wise investment. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah definitely that I agree with. Uh, just to throw something else out there is a winger, I think. Someone that uh, out and out can beat guys on the dribble, can score goals, can assist. I mean, that, this is kind of maybe pie in the sky, but it's a, it's a DP. So, yeah. you know, it's one of those guys that can change the game. Left winger. Yeah. Listen, Tito uh, came in as a DP and he had 10 goals, 10 assists in 2017. So Yeah, he's just not uh, Frog DeBoer's type of player for whatever reason. Right. Maybe loses the ball too much and doesn't, you know maybe doesn't allow the team to have as much control as Frank DeBoer wants. Right. But maybe somebody that is along that level, he probably would have to be making more than Jose Martinez, probably, unfortunately. Because right. that's that type of guy... It's, he's going to have to have a lot of qualities. One player that we uh, managed to see in, in person, Roger Martinez, I would absolutely, yeah. absolutely take him in LA United uniform. Some, uh, yeah, Martinez triplets? Yeah. That would oh. be Woo. insane. If you had a front three of all Martinez, it's just like, that's a nightmare. <laughs> Martinez, to Martinez, to Martinez, goal! Yeah. Martinez! It would be hella one? confusing, exactly. Really Especially, bad if you're building a fantasy team? Yeah. You pick the wrong one? Oh, for sure. Oh, right? yeah. Yes. Wait, is there a wrong one in that? Didn't you pick the wrong Keane forever? Everton in our fantasy uh, draft. Didn't you pick Michael Keane before I did, you picked Moise Yeah, Keane? I did. But I, I still can't. Well, I mean, at this point, <laughs> neither would be good because Everton's shite. At this like, point, both of them are the wrong Keanes. Yeah, so. true. Fair point. <laughs> true, 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 true. But anyway, all right. Last mailbag question. Kaylee McCoy asks, when will we find out if Gressel is playing next season? So, uh, essentially, you have the options that are going to be picked up, whether or not uh, in they're being announced, is on Friday of this week. Uh, now, if... Atlanta United only picked up Julian Gressel's option, it would be a little troubling, uh, but basically he is uh, on on a contract for the next season, and so he could play out the rest of his contract and then be able to maybe leave, but I mean, we would have still, uh, you know, his rights, And but I think uh, there is going to be a contract extension, it's just a matter of when, um, but stranger things could, have, could happen as well. And so, yeah, I but, think uh, uh, anything we find out would be post-CBA. Yeah. I mean, I, well, you have to find out if they trigger his contract, just like him and LGP. And my gut feeling is both you're going to pull the option on that and yeah. you're going to trigger both the contract extensions and then you renegotiate deals with them after you trigger their contract right. extension. So you have them under that and then it puts you in a stronger bargaining position for for, for them and if you do want to move them on or not. So, yeah, yeah. that's my Process. Because yeah. if they, the other thing is, that especially for an LGP, who's both of them said they don't want to go within MLS, but for an LGP or a Gressel, you don't want them going to a team in Europe for free. So if you trigger right. their contract, they can't just say, okay, I'm leaving. You have them sure. under contract and then you can renegotiate. Yeah. yeah. But guys, thank you for the questions in the mailbag. Please continue to do so. And we really might answer your question in the future. But uh, that does it for pretty much the entire show, except for the question of the day. And simply, which player would you like to see Atlanta United sign in the offseason? Uh, I mean, guys, let us know in the comments who uh, your pie-in-the-sky players are or your realistic ones or even kind of underwhelming uh, options are. We are looking forward to what you're going to say in the comments below. So that's it for us today. Remember to subscribe to us if you haven't already. Share this episode and leave us a review and rating so we can pop up higher in your rankings. And for Tanner and Mark, I'm AJ. Thanks so much for listening.